0: The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every
1: night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. All right, guys, before we get into today's show, we want to tell you guys about the August 18th event coming up. Scott, it is rapidly approaching.
2: It is rapidly approaching. So if you haven't gotten your tickets yet, make sure you get your crew and sign up. We're doing the Promotion, again, where if you bring 10 people, you get your ticket for free as the captain of your group, five people, and you get your ticket for half off. So it's a hell of a deal of 67 bucks for uh, the tickets. We're actually going to be in left field this time. This is uh, the one game that will be in left field, uh, and it's basically the same section as the, uh, the 205, but we're completely reversed and in left field, so we'll be behind Guardi. The, uh, the pregame is going to be at the dugout, and you get a t-shirt the pregame, a party, which will be at the dugout. A lot of good drink specials, um, 67 bucks. Again, that's uh, basically at retail, lower than retail value. So get your crew, get them together. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And then also this game is going to be the breakfast beers for 20 years because why? We're celebrating the 1998 team, the good team from the New York Yankees from 20 years ago, who was really good and played like a team and did all the good things in big situations. And so that is going to be a lot of fun. It'll be a little bit different from what we're seeing right now on the field. It will be a good time. We get to see all of of our favorites from the 1998 team and cheer them on uh, before the Yankees take on the Blue Jays. So come on out. Make sure you get your tickets. Uh, The the T-shirt deadline for you to get your ticket before or your T-shirt before the event is coming up this week. Um, Today's Monday. The T-shirt deadline I think I had was Tuesday uh, I will order some afterwards, but you know, try to get that in as possible as soon as possible. But again, the game is uh, not this coming Saturday, but the following August eighteenth, uh, one o'clock game.
1: All right, let's get into it.
2: We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go.
1: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 256. Scott, it is going to be an hour-long therapy session, because after what happened the last four days at Fenway Park, everybody listening, including myself, including you, needs it desperately.
2: You know, it's just one of these days where it's, uh, it's a kick in the balls, really, because You know, the Sunday night baseball starts late. I got to listen to A-Rod talk for fucking five hours and the (laughs) including an extra already, including an extra inning that should never have happened. And then, you know, we're up early recording the show because otherwise we'd be doing it at 1 a.m. And that's just not happening. It would have been
1: impossible because there's too much to unpack Too can't do it. Can't do
2: it. You got to see uh, it.
1: Yeah, it's it's um it's tough. We we learned that the hard way in the playoffs last year when you're recording after those those late night games and when it's only one game, maybe you can battle battle your way through it, talk about the the ins and outs um of the game as well as the raw emotion, but it was too it's too much to go through <laughs> to do that after last night's game. But yeah, you're right. It uh it was a kick in the balls. It was the absolute worst case uh doomsday scenario that everyone I think was trying to avoid saying was possible because the team has been playing like crap for a month over the last 38 games. They're 18 and 20. So it's no surprise really that, that they're playing this way. We've seen the sloppy play. We've seen the lack of fundamentals as well as the lack of offense, the lack of starting pitching, and then the bullpen failing at the worst possible times. We've seen that all happen against the shitty teams in baseball over the last month. Everyone was still just kind of crossing their fingers, hoping that they could turn it around against Boston, the best team in baseball. But I don't think anyone wanted to admit this was possible, because I think deep down, if you think about it, any Yankee fan who has been watching this team for the last month, you could see how the writing on the wall for, for what happened this weekend. I mean,
2: I guess uh, you, you don't you don't think of a sweep. I'm sorry, but I, I'm not. Honestly, it didn't cross my mind walking into this that we would get swept. Like that. That's just not. That's just something I, I thought about, you know, with the with the way that the pitching lined up with the way that, that you know, some of these things you just you, you can never expect to get swept going in there as an expectation. And, and the, it's not like this team talent wise is a team that should get swept walking in. That's not like that's not the way it is. But the way that they're playing, the, the, the lack of uh, of of the uh, the intangibles of the game, like I said in the post game. My post game video last night was so short because I had nothing to say. No, but every facet say? of the game, they're failing it. They're they're not getting the the runners in. They're not pitching deeper into the games. You know, they're just every facet of the game, they're not they're not catching the ball, they're not throwing That's the ball.
1: That's the worst, honestly. It's the extra outs that they gave Boston all weekend. And Boston as soon as they got a sniff of an extra out, slammed the door down, drove a Mack truck through that door. You're just yep. talking about in, in the in the um in the uh the Intro about the August 18th, 98 game. That's something that the 98 Yankees would do. If they got an extra out, it didn't matter how many runs they were down. Oh, you're going to give us an extra out? Well, now we're going to take this game from you. And that's what happened all four games, especially Thursday, especially Sunday night in, in Fenway. Well, I mean, literally, the the Yankees handed them the
2: game last night. Handed them the game. Aroldis Chapman, for the second time in a row, coming in, completely shits the bed. And... And then walks the bases loaded in Fenway. Are you insane? Who are we, so are you an insane person?
1: He hadn't pitched since Tuesday, right? So, so I, I'm not excusing Chapman, but how how many how did times? did it go do we on Tuesday? See, no, how did no. it go on Tuesday? But but here's the thing: how many times do we have to see Chapman struggle before Boone realizes I need to use him on a more regular schedule? I can't have him sit for five days and then expect him to come into Fenway Park on Sunday Night Baseball after nine hours of friggin' torturous baseball because, for whatever reason, everybody decided to take four hours in between a pitch last night. I can't expect Chapman to come in there and just be sharp. He needs to pitch more.
2: There are so many things that I have problems with that Boone did this weekend, but when you're down in Fenway Park, when you're losing that – and you're and you're trying to save your closer for the next game, could, you know, because you're thinking you're going to win it, and you need a high leverage situation at Fenway Park. It's it's not an easy situation to get your closer in to get work at that point. I understand. Like, to me, on this one, like that's a thousand percent on Araldis Chapman. Throw the ball over the goddamn plate. Don't so then, walk the bases loaded. Like I could see if you're rusty, but walking the bases loaded is is another level. But that's of what he does.
1: Rusty Chapman doesn't give up hits. He walks people, which puts him in he backs himself into a corner when he is rusty cuz he can't find the plate. And it's not like he just gets crushed. It's not like Chapman goes out there and gives up doubles and home runs. He walks people and then might give up a single and and that's what that's the game. That's what happened. And and it still could have they still could have won, but they decided to give the Red Sox an extra out which which allowed the tying run to score. Because yeah. Greg Bird couldn't pick a ball that a, a minor league first baseman picks.
2: Right. I mean, it wasn't a great throw, but at the same time, Bird's got to catch that ball 100%. No doubt about it. It's
1: it's it, it's the fundamentals. I know it's overused. It's an overused cliche that's easy to just point and say. Fun, they're not fundamentally sound, but but they're not. And it's been an issue all all season. We talked about it in April. Why were they losing to the bad teams like Baltimore and Miami? It's because they were giving those crappy teams extra outs. But then in May and June, they overcame it because the offense was on another level and the bullpen was elite. Well, now when the offense isn't on another level and the bullpen has cracks, this is what happens.
2: Yeah, but the problem. See, there there are so many things that go into that, though, because we're talking about bullpen and having cracks. The bullpen was great today or yesterday until Chapman stepped on the mound. The bullpen was great; they cleaned up everything, and Tanaka only went four and two thirds. Like I understand, he pitched well. He was pitching deep into counts though, and his pitch count was up. And whether he's getting pulled in that inning, people had a problem with him not finishing that inning. I mean, it's it's kind of. It doesn't really matter because if he finishes that inning, fine. He's already over hundred pitches at that point. If he were to finish that inning, so if he were to come out, he wouldn't have finished the next inning. He's still not getting deep. There were a lot of lot of long counts. I know he had nine strikeouts. That makes for more pitches. I think there were what six hits given up in four and two thirds. So there was a there was a good amount of of um, balls in play, and then and then you know long counts. Long when you counts. get a long strikeouts, you get long counts. And at- he only walked one guy, so it's hard to like say that. It's hard to fault Tanaka for the high pitch count because he did pitch well. Um, but, but at the end of the day, you're still not being efficient enough to, to get the, into the bullpen. But, but that being said, the bullpen was totally good. They, they cleaned it up. They did their job. They did exactly what they needed to do. The Yankees got the lead, and then you hand their ball to your closer. And at that point, I don't give a shit. If you are sitting for five days, four days, whatever, you know, if you're, the, if you're the closer of the New York Yankees and you're in a high-leverage situation like that in Fenway Park, you can't just, you can't go out there and walk a damn bases loaded. I don't think, care if that's what you do as a rusty player. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do hey, it. That's not an excuse to walk oh. the bases loaded. If you're going to walk a guy, uh, you know, two at max, uh, whatever, get out of the situation. But you cannot walk the bases loaded. You just can't do that. Down three, up three runs at Fenway Park, knowing that that place is a freaking bandbox and the ball goes out in the blink of an eye at any point.
1: Yeah, right right in the part of the order with J.D. Martinez, who's leading the league, and homers and RBIs coming up.
2: J.D. Martinez was circling for like walking up and down the dugout, just pacing and waiting for this to happen. And when he got in, he pounced, because he knew goddamn well Chapman was going to do. The only thing Chapman was going to try to do was throw a strike. And if he did it, he was going to be ready for it. And he was.
1: You mentioned the long counts. That's the one of the other glaring differences between the two teams right now is that the uh, the Yankees, especially on Friday and Saturday against Porcello and Evaldi did not have any deep counts. I understand those guys were attack, attacking the zone, but they were just weak contact after weak contact, little ground ball, little fly ball, nothing. Those guys didn't even have to sweat. And then Tanaka, like you said, yeah, he pitched. He pitched. OK, he wasn't giving he, he was striking a lot of guys out, but every count was two, two, three, two. They were falling off pitches. So that's the, that's just another huge difference between the two teams and and it's not even like the Red Sox have their a lineup I mean the infield they threw out there with Nunez Holt um Kinsler and Steve Pierce that was the Thursday infield for the Red Sox that wasn't supposed to be their team but they still grind out at bats there was no that wasn't
2: supposed to be their team but all those guys can hit. Every one of those guys can hit, and Steve Pierce has been just destroying the Yankees on every team in the American League East. I mean, he he hurt us with the Blue Jays, with the, with the Orioles, he hurt Tampa us with, Bay. He
1: hurt us when he was on the Yankees, too. He and with, with the, the Yankees,
2: because the only team that he didn't play for a, at all on a, on a level of, of acceptability was the New York Yankees. Thank you, Steve Pierce. He obviously has a vendetta, and I don't know where it came from. But mm. the man looked like, uh, you know, he was Reggie Jackson. On freaking Thursday night, out there hitting three bombs, and then comes back again and hits another freaking home run. I mean, it's crazy when you see a guy like that who's on a roll and has a, just more confidence than than you know what to do with. I mean, it's like oozing out of his ears. Like, how about we just pitch him a little bit more carefully because that guy's going to kill you. And he can obviously hit a fastball.
1: Scott, do you know that sleep is important? <clears throat> I, th- I think you know that after after last night, and also especially after uh, Kemp. Who now is uh, one years old. Happy birthday, Kemp. But I I think you know that sleep is important, right? It's absolutely important. That's why I'm on my uh, right now. I did not get any sleep last night
2: and I am on my uh, my second cup of coffee on my way to my fifth cup of coffee because that's how many I have for this episode.
1: Well, your mattress can actually make a big difference. Uh, And the new Sleep Number 360 smart bed is designed to help you achieve better quality sleep. It's not just a bed, it is a way of life, as I said, because sleep is so important. The new uh, Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed is designed to keep you effortlessly comfortable. It senses your movements and automatically adjusts to keep you sleeping blissfully throughout the night. So many couples disagree on mattress firmness, but the Sleep Number Bed lets you choose your ideal firmness on each side so it is right for you and your partner at Sleep Number at 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 a Sleep Number store you can see and feel how the bed contours to you and relieves pressure points with their individual fit technology it's comfort you have to feel so uh, you'll only find Sleep Number at Sleep Num at a Sleep Number store come in now and see the newest Sleep Number 360 smart bed now from $999 there are more than 550 Sleep Number stores nationwide just visit sleepnumber.com slash bronx to find the nearest store. Again, sleepnumber.com slash bronx.
2: Right. Quickly before we get into the, the the other things, I don't even want to use the word yet, but um, I did have, a, a, I wanted to just do a shout out to my uh, to my my little boy who is certainly not listening because he has no idea what this is or a podcast or has any concept of anything <laughs> in the world. But he did turn one on Saturday. It was an awesome day, and uh, I just want to thank a lot of people on Twitter who are reaching out and just saying happy birthday and uh, uh, throughout this whole year, it's been just a crazy year for us obviously with with him going up to the hospital uh, and and going through his procedures. but um, this uh, the community of of uh, Bronx pinstripes and our show have been just amazing, um, and it's it's crazy that it's been a year because a year ago today I was in Boston, and it's funny enough on Friday I was uh, a year ago Friday when we were waiting for him to uh, to be born, I was so. Like I was back and forth because I was like, hold out, hold out a little bit longer. All I want to do is see Sonny Gray's first start. I was so oh, excited I re- I remember to see Sonny that. Gray's first start. And it yes. was, I was trying to stay awake because I was, we hadn't slept <laughs> in like three days. And I'm like, I'm like literally like holding my eyelids open so I can watch Sonny Gray's first start because I was so excited for this guy. Like what a freaking difference the year has made. Yep. You know, my son's kicking some ass and Sonny Gray's just completely reverted back to a uh, just a, a little leap. completely
1: punk. shitting the bed <laughs> um, he's
2: shitting the bed in my case yeah. you know he, he needs a diaper
1: yeah. <laughs> kemp's also shitting the bed but it's, he, it's acceptable it, for for him
2: yes but he does it in a diaper <laughs> so it doesn't get all over the place not everybody has to deal with it only one person has to deal with it
1: it's been a hell of a year hasn't it a really fast year as well
2: yeah no it has it it went by in a blink of an eye and i know everybody says that but with uh it's just it's 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 been a blur for uh for us for sure. But um it's for awesome. you
1: guys and with Kemp, you guys were in Boston for for a little while, and then um after you left everything with the with a playoff run and everything like that yeah. as far as the podcast and the Yankees go. But then it, you had a huge life change with, with your son, and then I had a huge life change. I moved to New York and uh got engaged recently, and everyone also I wanna thank people. We're saying congratulations on social media about my engagement. Just to reiterate what you just said, Scott, the community of people that interact with this show uh, come to the events, follow us on social media. All that kind of stuff is, um, I think, without sounding too sappy, the reason why we keep doing this, especially after the (laughs) show we just watched for four days
2: no doubt so let's just take that all and a uh, l- little bit of positivity before we get into the disaster bloodbath massacre that actually that happened this weekend and i love that uh mike Francesa tweeted that out it's the uh, the, the the boston massacre the new one a new the one. new boston massacre yeah a new one has occurred and yeah. it had it, absolutely it was a it was a massacre
1: it started on thursday night and you know if you had asked me back on thursday who if you could hand pick one starter to go in game 1 of this series i probably would have picked CeCe because we know what he does after losses, we know what he does against the Red Sox. The Red Sox struggle against left-handed pitchers, and the moment is never going to be too big for CC. Yeah, he's not going to give you 8 or 9 innings, but you just figured he could get through the 5th at least, but he couldn't.
2: No, he wasn't he didn't have it at all. He just didn't have the location. I don't know if it has anything to do with with uh like the amount of perspiration that was coming off that man's body, and I know he sweats a lot normally, but it was a Hot and like humid, muggy night in Boston, and you could just see the the. I mean, you usually see it with Chapman the most, but CC, you've definitely seen like Sweatman, uh, the Sweatman go out there, but like his hat is just dripping, and it's like he couldn't grip the ball well enough, or, or get a good feel of the ball, uh, because he just couldn't find the strike zone. And usually, you know, he's able to kind of maneuver around the the strike zone enough to to get some swings and misses and. He just wasn't there, and he wasn't he wasn't getting it. So normally I'd say a humid night for a pitcher is a good thing because you can grip the ball better. But when you're profusely sweating and you can't like keep your hand dry, then it becomes a problem. And I don't know if that came into it. It's not an excuse by any means, but uh, it's it was apparent that he didn't have location. So um,
1: it, That's was, what uh, it was after strange. The game. He said, I, I, I could not find the plate, basically. Nothing was yeah. working. None of my pitches were where I wanted to throw them. It's not an excuse, though. I don't know. I mean i agree with you the uh especially for cc big body guy he probably likes it when it's a little bit cooler because he's going to be hot anyway any anybody who sweats a lot out there knows it doesn't matter it could be 60 degrees outside you're still going to be sweating so i think cc would have preferred a little cooler i don't know what he does about that you remember roger clemens used to just rub his body up and down with icy hot um yeah kind of kind of maybe uh but does Maybe that stop you
2: from sweating? I mean, I, I don't, don't know. know. I
1: th- I don't know what what you could. I think do. he just
2: he just a freaking like the fact that it was icy hot.
1: Does I Vaseline think... help? Like if you just lather your body with Vaseline?
2: Oh God, I would think that would be so much worse. That would, that sounds awful.
1: I don't know. Uh, gold Bond powder? Do you think Susan Waldman applied the um, icy hot no, on no. to Roger Clemens? No. Clubhouse clubhouse like interns. Clubhouse. Oh, uh, I... Clubhouse attendants. Clemens used to used to get buck naked starfish in the middle of the clubhouse and have yeah. have the interns rub and him have down. Susan Waldman rub him open
2: down I could see that
1: <laughs> Roger <laughs> turn around Roger oh god the game started out so good too uh, Brian Johnson Yankees catch a break Chris Sale's not pitching he's on the disabled list uh, there's pitchers. a win right that was our first win yeah, that we, we thought we were, so.
2: that was going to be a win going into that game i'm not not a win for the game but like that's a win for the yankees the fact it's that that's not pitching
1: yeah and they took a four nothing lead off brian johnson dd three run homer kicks right. solo shot okay here we go beautiful let's do it yeah. off to the races right sabathia laboring after three innings was pulled i think it was probably the right move right i would have pulled him too i didn't think he had anything
2: yeah it didn't look like he had anything i mean even in the um, early in the game yeah, I think it was the inning before he got out of a jam. I mean, he was getting in and out of jams, uh, kind of getting lucky with some with some balls hit at people. But um, but yeah, he was he was laboring. It, it's you can't fault Boone by any means for taking him out at that point. It's it's not a good situation, obviously, because you're starting off a four game set with going to your pen immediately early in the game. In the so fourth
1: inning, but not
2: what you want. But uh, at the same time, you don't want uh, CC to be you know throwing meatballs over the plate either and getting tattooed in Fenway Park.
1: Yeah, I think what Boone saw was a Sabathia with nothing and a bullpen that was pretty much rested, and he could go Holder in the fourth inning, Green in the fifth, maybe also the sixth inning. Robertson, Britton, Betances, Chapman. There should be enough firepower there to get through that game with a four nothing lead. I understand maybe one run lead. It's 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 unrealistic, but a four run lead with that bullpen, I was confident they could have gotten the the uh, the six innings.
2: Yeah, I mean. The problem is, is that you cannot continue to keep relying on the bullpen time and time and time again because that's what's happening. It's happening too often. There's, these guys are going out and throwing four, five, maybe six innings. Like, six innings is a great day. Oh, my God. A guy for gives you six starters. innings.
1: It's like he just pitched a complete game shutout. Like, put him in the Hall of Fame. Let's retire his number. Get him a plaque in Monument Park. He just went six innings.
2: And these guys are going out there every day and throwing just a ton of pitches, coming out, you know, way more often uh, than you want them to. And, I mean, we're seeing them now start to struggle, and, and maybe it's from uh, pitching, you know, more often than they're used to. Maybe it's it's uh, they've thrown more pitches than they've thrown up until this point, but they're struggling for whatever reason, a lot of them. Uh, especially, especially guys like Holder, who certainly are not used to throwing this much. So it's you know that doesn't get better if it is a fatigue thing. If it's something that that's uh, affecting them in that way, that overuse, it's not going to get better as the season goes on. That's just going to be a problem for the remainder. And if the starters continue to do what they're doing, and depth is an issue, you know this this could escalate to a problem. I, I think I mentioned this like two or three weeks ago about this being a problem as it stood, and. It's going to continue to be a big problem, and it's going to be um, a storyline that's uh, that's going to follow the Yankees all the way through the end of the season.
1: Especially because with the rainout from that Mets game a couple weeks ago, they don't have an off day for a really long time. Yeah, and so then you, get you don't guys have like, an off day. Plus, the starters are only going three, four, maybe five innings,
2: or have hand, mouth, foot disease. You I can't know. Throw.
1: It's insane, and the the pitchers who can't field their own position are giving the uh, the other team extra outs. I mean that. I know Sabathia has never been able to field this position, but he shot put a ball 50 feet over Greg Bird's head. That's not not lack of fundamentals or lack of field. That's just sucking. That's just picking up the ball, not even looking, just wailing it as hard as you can towards the general vicinity of Greg Bird at first base, and it goes 40 feet. It's like, what the hell was that? That gives him an extra out. And then Holder in the fourth inning, with Jackie Bradley on third base, this was still a game at this point. So people might might look back and say, "Well, well, this play when he threw behind the runner, it, it didn't you know it didn't matter in the grand scheme of things. The Red Sox blew him out anyway." But this was still a game, and Holder hadn't recorded an out in the fourth inning. If you had gotten Bradley Jr. there, a runner off of third base, that changes the entire inning. Maybe Boone. Takes Holder out after that point. Maybe he goes to green to, to just escape that inning with the lead. Who knows what happens? You cannot just make these mistakes. He fields the ball. Bradley is in between home and third. And he throws behind the runner. That, that that's This is literally shit right here. You take the ball and you sprint at the runner. Make him either freeze or commit to a bag and then you throw it. You don't immediately throw behind him, giving Anduhar a horrible angle to throw. And I heard people also saying that this is Anduhar's fault. He didn't make a good throw. He kind of uh, d- took a weird angle and hesitated. Okay, yeah, fine. But that's like blaming the passenger in, in, in your car for you getting a speeding ticket because he didn't see the cop soon enough. No, you're the one who's speeding. Holder's the one who screwed up by throwing behind the runner. That totally effed up the play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fundamentals
2: is you run, you run towards the, the runner and your, your first throw is going to be towards the bag uh, in front of the runner, not behind the runner, so that you can then run him back to the bag. Worst case scenario, he ends up back at the bag that he came from. And that's, that's your worst case scenario in a rundown like that. Uh, when you throw behind the bag, when the, or behind the runner, when the the runner is not remotely close to that bag, whether the, you know, so there's like a, a a tag play at that point. Like I could see it at that point, maybe, but that wasn't the situation, and, and it put it did put Anduar in a, in a in a tough situation to make a hard throw that he should never have been in. So it was a mental error, no doubt about it, by Jonathan Holder, and that's you know that's one of those preparation things that that goes back to the that goes back to the the uh, the spring training. Literally drills of of rolling it out there and, and, you know, no gloves, just, just practice what you're doing, go through the mindset make sure you're walking yourself through and, uh, and, and take yourself through the situation because you should know what you're doing beforehand. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's react, right? Not, not, not think when you're, when you get the ball. So, you know, you're going at the, at the runner and then going home. It didn't happen. Can we get, you know,
1: we saw Phil Nevin flipping out in the dugout last week at Yankee Stadium. Can he just maybe uh, before the game on Monday in Chicago just hit fungos for like nine hours at these guys until they're they're just dead? Because I don't know what else to do. You got to we didn't they take infield practice um, back in April when they were playing sloppy?
2: I think they've done it twice I, I feel like they did it another so time is, after that so maybe this, yeah, it's, it's, like it's like we're dealing with children again. then
1: it's like you punish them and then they they um, they turn it around for for a month and then they revert back to their old ways so I understand like the coaching staff part, part of this is on the coaching staff but these guys are all professionals they're all in the major leagues you can't you can't be making those mistakes you have to be better. They have but at to the, be better. At, you know, at the
2: same time, when you're looking at the, the construction of the lineup, and I know everybody who's a Yankees fan wanted to see Glaber Torres at second base, uh, Miguel Andujar at third base, start the season. And, and, and that's great. And we all want our young guys to play because it's fun. And especially when you have guys coming up through the system, you want them to play. You want to win with those guys. But I think one of the big reasons, and if you look at, well, throw it back to that 98 team, not that they're comparable by any means because that team was so much better of a team team. And this is not, these guys are not playing as a cohesive unit. But when you look around and you see the veteran guys and you see the uh, the rookies, you know, a lot of the, the mistakes that we're seeing right now are by Andujar and by Glaber Torres. And Jonathan Holder, another one in the middle of that of that play, who is a young guy coming up, really getting his first uh, experience in the major leagues for a full season. You're seeing these guys make a lot of mistakes. Greg Bird not being able to pick like he hasn't had a full season of the big leagues. There's a lot of guys all across the diamond right now who have not played a full season or even half of a season in the major leagues. And, you know, we're definitely seeing that youth come out. And lack of experience come out in in a lot of these plays. You're gonna get these growing pains, and I think at a as a Yankees fan at this point we're not, you know, we're not um, ready to see that. I, I think a lot of people weren't weren't we're accustomed to seeing this stuff. Where we've been seeing veteran guys out there, and almost forget the fact that all of these growing pains come, especially on the defense side. Usually, you say you see defensive blunders, you say you see impatient at bats. Like those are key characteristics of a young guy. And yes, as the season goes on, the young guy is, is becoming more mature and getting more experience. But you're still going to see a lot of these things come to fruition because they're still, you know, 23 years old and, and making dumb mistakes in the head. I was an idiot when I was 23. Think about what you were <sighs> like at 23 years old, you know, and then trying to go on the, the grand scheme. So these things are going to happen. And the veteran yeah. guys have to step up in situations like this. They, mm-hmm. they, they, they have to. Well, there they, needs to be leadership from enough, within
1: as well. This team still has enough veterans, though. We're not talking about a team full of rookies. We're talking about a team with a nice mix of veterans and rookies. Um, Brett Gardner. It's not, Stanton, when you look around, Hicks. it's
2: not that many.
1: Okay,
2: Hicks, I'm not enough. conservative of crafty veteran. I mean, this is Hicks' first full season, too. I mean, yes, he's been in the clubhouse. <laughs> it is. Well, he's been around there for the, you so see, right now, what we're seeing are, are, are Romine, uh, Gardner, and Stanton. Yeah, Everybody and, else and is Judge, young. Judge Indeed. is out. Sorry, Judge Indeed. is
1: on the disabled list, but even though Judge is only in his second year, he has the mentality of a 10-year veteran. I mean, Aaron Judge, that is why – that's what makes Aaron Judge so good. He was a rookie last year, but he played like a veteran, and he continues to play like a veteran. He is – he is not the norm he is the no exception. i
2: i get that, but but there's also there's also a part of the veteran that that knows when to step in on cer- certain situations and talk to a guy and and has that that saying, confidence are you talking about like out.
1: calling a clubhouse meeting or something like that
2: I, I'm talking about in any situation i'm talking about if you see a guy struggling like pulling him aside in a in a in a way that's not. Uh, that's not, you know, going to, going to put him out there and, uh, and show him up like little things like that, that knowing uh, judge doesn't have that yet. Like, I don't think judge has all of those things behind the scenes. It's, It's hard. It's hard to say that he does because he hasn't we been on the, the team. I know, but when you have a a guy like Gardner, and, and look, man, I'm just talking here because I don't really feel like talking about the games, honestly, for, for this entire show. But I'm talking about gonna, little things like gonna, this because it has to. But it has we're going to have to talk
1: ourselves into oblivion if we just talk about well, who is the leader in the clubhouse? Are they having closed? That's door not meetings? what I mean, though. That's are they not, not what I mean. like are, but, who's yelling at who. It's like who the hell knows? All I can do is look at the field and not see the results.
2: That's not what I mean. What I mean is, is that when you're seeing young guys struggle, we should expect that to a degree. And when you add that many young guys on one team, it, it can absolutely roll downhill. And, and we're seeing it. I mean, it's not an excuse. It's a reality. That's what's happening. We're seeing Gleyber Torres being lackadaisical and make stupid base running errors and then make bad uh, you know, blunders in the field. Not we're covering into,
1: bags. Not, yeah. And that's a simple from thing. from Wednesday.
2: Like, someone's got to get on his ass for that. We're seeing Andrew Hart take five years to throw the ball and readjust and act like he's got, you know, uh, the, the strongest arm in the entire world to make up for all that crap. Like, no, throw the ball. Set your feet. Throw the ball. He, he, you know, little things like this. Like, there should be a veteran guy in there to talk to him and, 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 uh, and get on his ass for that stuff. Like, you got to get the ball. And, you know, maybe because the, the team is a bit younger, they're more of that needs to let, rely on the coaching staff. The coaching staff needs to do that. But, again, look up and down the coaching <sighs> staff. Do these guys have a lot of experience? No, they don't. Do they have a lot of time with these guys? No, they don't. So I, I think there is a lack. There's a, a there's some kind of a, a, a chemistry, fundamental thing happening right now because what we're seeing on the Red Sox, I see a lot of chemistry. I see guys playing as a cohesive unit. I see Cora taking charge of these guys. I well, see Cora is
1: also a rookie, a rookie manager.
2: He is a rookie manager, but he's been around the clubhouse a lot longer. He knows the ins and outs of a clubhouse and just his personality is playing well with that team. I mean like that's a, a side point but he plays well with that team. You can tell that he gets those guys to play.
1: Well, Larry Rothschild's been uh the Yankees pitching coach for some time now. So how come he can't get through to these pitchers?
2: I don't know. I have, I have no answer for that. He's uh I the pitchers the pitchers are just not pitching well either. They're just they're just <laughs> fucking bad. <laughs>
1: Second F bomb from Scott. Uh, Be honest. When you saw Luis Sessa come into that game on Thursday after it was already a blowout, I I laughed hysterically. Well, there's our starter for Saturday. Yeah.
2: I couldn't believe it. I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at him warming up. I'm like, he's the starter coming in and not even for the last game, but for for Saturday, he's pitching. And I'm looking, who's going to start this game? There's nobody to start this game. So that's when I started going to triple I'm like, when do these guys pitch? Chance Adams, oh, look like he pitched on uh, Monday or Tuesday, whatever it was. He lined up. Chance Adams, I mean, it was it, before they announced it, like innings before, when I saw Luis Sessa, like you, you knew Chance Adams was going to be pitching because he's the only guy that could have pitched. It yeah. was crazy.
1: And uh, that's a really impossible spot for Chance Adams to come up after two losses at Fenway Park against the best team in baseball, the best offense in baseball, in Fenway, like we said, which is uh, one of the hardest places to play. Uh, here you go. Here's your major league debut, kid. Don't suck.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're talking about makeups of a guy, and if you if you're a, a longtime listener of the show, you've you've heard the uh, the episode with Chantan. is like this guy doesn't really seem like he gets bothered by much. He really kind of just like has a whatever attitude, and not not in a uh, a passive way, but like, does just doesn't let anything he might um, not fully him.
1: understand the gravity of his situation,
2: right? Yeah, he may be walking in just being like, Okay, I'm pitching.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they could have told him this is where the rail riders are playing, uh, on Saturday, go show up, right?
2: And, and to his credit, like, you know, the kid fought and and pitched, yeah. well, as so, well as you'd expect so, for a guy like that in that situation to pitch, I think.
1: Yeah, he got five innings, three runs. At, it was the first inning home run to Moreland, where you're thinking. This is going to go really, really horribly for this kid. Not only are the Yankees going to lose another game, but they're going to ruin any future of Chance Adams because that's happened to guys before where they come up in a tough spot and get their brains beaten in in the major leagues and then their confidence is completely shot. But to Adam's credit, that's not what happened. He settled in. He got through five innings. And I understand there was a lot of hard hit balls. And the Yankees infielders uh, were positioned nicely to to get a lot of outs. He got a couple of uh, double play balls. He didn't walk, guys. Only one walk. I think when he thinks back to this start and looks at the line, five innings, only three runs and only one walk, that's a positive he can take away. He has struggled with walks in the minor leagues. I think he had four and a half walks per nine innings coming into um, this season. So with Scranton, four and a half walks per nine innings. And he only walked one guy against the Red Sox. I think he can take positives and the Yankees coaches can say, build on that.
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you look at the line, it's it's as good as any other Yankee starter. So he's looking at that and like, oh, I just I did better if I did as well, if not better than than all these guys that are up here right now. So uh, he's been better in the minors at, at Scranton with the walks lately. He's definitely been improving on that. So that's something that he's he's uh, he's worked on and and has been uh, throwing more strikes. So it's good to see the fact that he came up and threw strikes. I think it's encouraging. I think he should absolutely get another start. I mean, we may not have an opportunity. May not have. They may not have a, a choice in the matter. But um, <clears throat> I, I, I think he's a, a guy that you know. At this point, let, let's see what you got, kid, and and uh, and build on that. But uh, may not be the case. The Yankees are going to be running out of arms at some point, and and he's going to be throwing you know meaningful innings at some point. I, I think so. Um, I, I was encouraged to see what he did.
1: Yep. And it's the the offense could not do anything. They couldn't do anything against Porcello. Couldn't do anything against Avaldi. It was amazing how quickly they were going down against those two pitchers. Um, They had a lot of hard. I saw a stat against Porcello. He actually gave up Uh, 12 of the 18 batted balls against Porcello were hard hit, which is the most he's given up all season. The Yankees were hitting a lot of fly balls to center and right field, which at Fenway Park is not smart. But he still, what was it, 86 pitches to yeah, get was through a complete mid-80s. game? Yep. It was domination. And Evaldi, it was domination through eight innings. Um, the Yankees batters were, were sometimes going down so fast I would miss innings. I would get up from the couch, go to the bathroom, go grab a beer. I would come back, and the inning would be over. I thought it was still the commercial break, but no, the Yankees just went down that fast. And it got me thinking, well, how the hell is a Yankee starter going to go deep in this game when he has four seconds to rest in between innings?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, we could we could look up and down the lineup again. And and I I think, you know, one of the one of those key aspects of having a a young team like this is is the lack of patience at a plate. I mean, we we, we remember all these good Yankee teams and when they had veteran guys and they grinded out at bats, that was one of the reasons they were so lethal. They were able to grind out at bats and and get to pitchers and have them show a lot of uh, a lot of pitches. And, you know, to the Yankees credit, when this team is completely healthy, I think that's more of what we'll see. And and you're not seeing the the makeup of the lineup as it currently stands, and you're going to see more guys come out there and and grind these at bats and wear pitchers down. But you're seeing right now the way that the Yankees lineup is; these guys are attacking and they're trying to get through them because they know what's at the bottom of the lineup. They know they can get through these guys, and they might as well attack the zone. and And I think we're we're seeing a difference in the way that pitchers are attacking the Yankees team. And you know, if, if that's the case, and they're seeing good pitches. It's part of the part of the reason I think they're the um, the the uh, pitch counts are so low at that point, and, and they're they're having such short at bats is because they're peppering the zone. They're just throwing pitchers and uh, the strikes and attacking the, the zone. So at at certain points, like you got to be just expecting a strike early in the count and try to put a good a, a good swing on it.
1: So by it's, lineup, it's, yeah. Up? By the lineup, do you mean the fact that Shane Robinson and Luke Voigt were playing in the yeah. most important Yankees games of the season?
2: Yes, that's, uh, that would be – would, I would circle them, those two, I, those two players.
1: I think that when someone needed to say to Boone, you cannot put Shane Robinson in the starting lineup for a third time this weekend. It is unacceptable. Giancarlo Stanton is capable of playing right field. Put him in right field and put a real hitter at DH. I don't care if Neil Walker doesn't have good numbers from the right side of the plate. He is a major league player. Shane Robinson is a minor league player.
2: Same thing with Luke Voigt. Put Bird in the game. Stop doing this lefty-righty bullshit. At, at a point like this, when you've got to win the game, you want your best players on the team, bottom line. You don't know what the hell you got for Luke Voigt. You have no idea... What he's going to give you. You know, Shane Robinson is, is like, it, does he have two ear holes on his helmet? Because he should if he doesn't. The, the guy looks like, you know, he's out there in uh, the College World Series with a wood bat. It's it's embarrassing. And yeah, I know he had a great at batter it was like, oh, it's great at bat. Honestly, he should have struck out on that ball for it, it was a strike. It was right <laughs> down the freaking center of the plate and he didn't swing at it. I don't know why it wasn't a strike. It should have been. He should have struck out. So let's all let's all like commend him for the at bat. How about we also say uh, don't lean over the plate and show that bunt too early and actually have a, a foul ball that's come when it's coming at your head? I don't know. Let's go back to those fundamentals we're talking about here. But the fact that Boone puts him in the starting lineup completely takes the Yankees uh, and handicaps the line- the Yankees late in the game because. Now, with we know what's happening in the outfield, we don't have bodies anymore. Our deepest position going into the season, in the early season, is now our thinnest position uh, as, as far as position players. When you put Giancarlo Stanton at the DH spot and you start Sugar Shane Robinson in right field at Fenway Park when you're down 0-3 in a freaking series, you now shitty have no Shane Robinson. you shitty Shane Robinson. You now have no more moves. You can't pinch hit for him in a spot where you have to come out and play defense because guess what when you're on the road what do you have to do if you take the lead you got to play defense so now you have no other position player to go out there unless you're putting Neil Walker out there for the second time in his That's career what I was
1: thinking I was like okay I guess they could put Walker in left field because it's an easy left field to play with a monster you just say anything over your head just turn around and field it off the wall and then you slide Hicks to right and Gardner to center but that you should not be in that position
2: you're putting a guy in a position that, that has now played is going to play the outfield for the second time In his major league career, I mean, and he's had a long career, and I know they've he's played in the minor leagues. So whatever, you don't do that. You it's so obvious that you keep Shane Robinson on the bench. It's it's, I mean, if there's not a more obvious move to keep Shane Robinson, all five foot five of him on the bench to either pinch run or go in for some defense at the end, even though he doesn't play a great right field, in my opinion, like you keep him there so that you can use him if you need him in the outfield. Shane Robinson
1: is an emergency oh crap we have no one else to play I guess we'll put in Shane Robinson nada fuck it let's just get out of town I'm gonna put Shane Robinson in the starting lineup move
2: you know the team is um 21 and 20 without Ronald Torres without the toe night show
1: hey at this point I I have mocked Torres and his little baby toe for long enough i can't say that i what am i what do i say scoreboard does not lie
2: there is a there is something going on. They're they're, they're not having fun. I mean, I, you don't have fun when you lose. I yeah, know
1: that you, you got your but ass you don't, kicked all weekend. That's not but fun.
2: But the clubhouse is. It, it seems it seems tight. And I even mean, even before this game, it's not as it's not like this loosey goosey thing where they're going out and you know lifting little baby toe up on the on the uh, on their shoulders and, and him doing the the, um, the running the camera with a box of seeds. You know, it's it, they're just not playing the same looseness. And you saw that even back when Sanchez was uh, doing his shenanigans on the field. Like it seems like this. Team is uptight, and and there's a when there's a struggle, when they're not playing well, you know they're not getting back to that loose baseball where they play, you know, at their best. And I and I know we're injured right now. Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez, like those are two massive, massive, not, massive keys to be out of the
1: lineup. But I'm not damn. using that as an excuse. I'm, it's I'm not. Sorry. I, of course, you are a better team with both of those guys in the lineup. But this team is should still be good enough to not get swept at Fenway Park.
2: Hundred percent. Hundred percent. But they got to get back to playing loose baseball, look playing what we, baseball look the what we way that they know about.
1: How. With the Red Sox and and their starting infield, that's not their starting infield uh, that was supposed to be. So they have injuries too. They're not letting it bother right. them. They're but they're also a bunch games. of
2: veteran guys that they're plugging in there too, who who've been there before, who have done it before. Shane Robert, or, or uh, uh, Steve Pierce is is literally that guy <laughs> that you plug in who can go from he's team to team. Doesn't matter.
1: And he's playing well. He's playing very the Yankees well. Yankees are plugging he's, in guys that that aren't playing well. Their starters aren't playing well, and their plug-in guys are not playing well.
2: And right now, the moves that the Red Sox made at the deadline are paying oh, like dividends tenfold all with Evaldi going out there and throwing eight innings, with Steve Pierce hitting four home runs against the Yankees. So much for all the guys that the, uh, we were looking for that room brought in to, uh, to play against the Red Sox because they had good numbers against the Red Sox. Half doesn't even play. Mm, Britton does— Britain throws a good, uh, you know, a good inning when he was in last night. But you know the the, the dividends that they're, they're they're getting from the um, the players that they got at the deadline are uh, are paying off very well. And, saw, and Dombrowski looks
1: good right now. Did you see that stat that Avaldi has gone into the eighth inning twice this season, both against the Yankees?
2: Yeah, I mean, I believe Do it. You think
1: it's a little. Uh... Yes, fire, I do. A little fire I do. From, from nasty Nate saying this I, this team gave up on me. yeah, I, uh, I had to head of Tommy John surgery, but they gave yeah. up on me. They could have let me rehab and yeah. paid me like Tampa did. I'm going to go out there and shove it down their throat.
2: And, and and now when you're looking back at that like what was the deal? It was like 2 million bucks or something
1: like that, right? It was cheap. <clears throat> 2 million a year. So I think it was a 2 year yeah. four 4 million. Okay.
2: Um, <laughs> but you know, <laughs>
1: hey, throw if Tampa, it in the could bucket, the, Tampa could open Tampa could open the checkbook for that. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, listen, I would be, um, I would, uh, it would be disingenuous for me to say that I wanted the Yankees to sign Nathan Avaldi because I did not. We had, I had seen enough. Don't say we, don't say we. I had seen enough of Nathan Avaldi to know I wanted to move on from him in his five innings, 110 pitches, uh, performances. But you know what? Seeing the alternative now where five innings is like gold. Okay. You know, when when he was
2: when he was pitching for the Yankees, and I had to defend him on every single one of his uh, outings, pretty much, it was it was a tale of, and I and I said this time and time again, and and it actually was a legitimate thing. He was getting a lot of ground balls. And they were finding holes. He was he was going deeper into the counts, but when he did get the ground balls, like he he was a bit of un- unlucky when he was with the Yankees as well. We're seeing now a lot of the the pitches now. He's executing them better. He's definitely commanding the strike zone, not throwing as many pitches. Like he's definitely improved on that, and he's getting a lot of ground balls that are turning into outs. And when you do that, when you get those ground balls, when that sinker is working, and you can actually get those down uh, the ground balls uh, to be hit at players, you're going to have efficient. Uh, innings and that guy, if he's that guy, he's built for Yankee Stadium. Like that's hindsight being twenty twenty, I get it. I can't say that because I love this guy. And <laughs> the, the fact that he does pitch well and the, the way thing that you he can throws gloat about
1: God damn it's the only thing that he, you can gloat about on today's show is the fact that you were always on the Avaldi bandwagon.
2: Damn right. Nasty Nate was I did get off of him a little bit when his stuff was bad, but you know maybe that was because his he was injured.
1: His elbow was was mess up. Uh, it's so frustrating um, seeing that. I want to quickly talk about Tommy Canely. And, uh, so he came up for Friday's game because the bullpen was burned out on, th- on uh, Thursday. He pitched a clean inning, gets sent back down. Um, I saw a report that Boone said the Yankees looked outside of the organization, which means trades, before finally deciding to bring up Canely. So my question is, what do they have against Tommy Canely? Did he sleep with Cashman's wife? Does he have <laughs> pictures of, of Boone? Like what, what is going on here?
2: I have no idea because what I saw was Tommy Canley. I saw I saw the same guy. I saw a guy that that came out there that um, that you know velocity was there. We're we're looking at a guy who came out and pitched a clean inning. Granted, it was a situation where it was a, a blowout game, but that doesn't matter. I mean, the way that this team is going, you need arms. You need arms that are effective, and a guy like T- uh, Tommy Canley who has experience, and we've seen him do it last year. He came up and 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 pitched. He was very good when he came over. He was very good with the White Sox. I don't understand why this guy is not on the team. I really don't. I don't he's, understand why he's not on the team.
1: He went back to the minors because he was injured. He needed to regain his velocity. Yes. By all reports, his velocity is back. Maybe yes. he is not the uh Tommy Canely elite reliever of last year, but at this point, like you just said, you need capable arms. Holder it looks fried. Yeah. Um, he does. Holder has been was great for the Yankees in the first half. I think I called him the underrated uh most underrated uh breakout um star or whatever we called it on our our mid-season awards yeah. but right now he looks overmatched and fried so send him down and let canley come up there just just because he's going to be a fresher arm I mean they they need to do something uh if Tommy Canley
2: is healthy he should be on the major league roster there's no doubt uh it's inexplicable to me why he is uh, on this Scranton shuttle? Like the guy doesn't deserve that. Honestly, he doesn't. And he's a he's a major league arm. He's a competitor. He's a big time competitor, and and I think he could be good for this team for sure. I mean, he, he certainly is is better than than uh, what we're throwing out there right now. It's just uh, it's very obvious.
1: No, Yankees are going to Chicago to play the White Sox. They suck. They're thirty games under five hundred. Which means we well get swept. Yep. Yankees play them six times between now and the end of the season. Uh, that needs to be six wins. Um, and then they they played. They go to Texas for four games. uh, Who also sucks. They're in last place. Yankees are. This is going to be a theme for the rest of the Rangers. Yeah, except really the only. So, I'm I after this weekend, I think the Yankees have to be realistic, and the division is out of reach. The Red Sox do not look catchable. I know you have six more games against the Red Sox, but you're nine and a half back. So even if you sweep those six games, you're gonna have to make up three other games. The real. Big test for the Yankees if they want to play the wild card game at all and especially if they want to play it at home is the West Coast trip when they play Oakland and Seattle
2: yeah no that's that's gonna come down to be a be a huge series both of them uh is gonna come down now and, and we're circling them because one Oakland had came out of nowhere and they're playing out of their minds um and Billy now, Bean. Billy and, now Bean. and now Seattle. The Adam Warren, Seattle, Hall of the Fame, game. You, Billy Bean, you know, damn well, Adam Warren's <laughs> going to come out and throw like four clean of in the middle of the is. game. Um, of but he's he so that that's going to be a, a big, big, big trip. And uh, no, I, I can't. You can't put your expectations on the division at this point. You have to go out there and think about winning these series, winning as many possible games and then seeing where you are. You know, towards the end uh, and looking up. Then don't look up at the standings at all at this point because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You just got to win games. Mm-hmm. If the if the Red Sox you know go on a losing streak and you're winning and you make some games up, great. But right now the division should not be part of uh, of what they're thinking. They just need to win games and that's it. And let the let the let the cards uh, the chips lay where they may. You know, that's it. Get healthy. Games. Get, healthy. Get healthy and win um, games.
1: If you're, I think what this team can do is get healthy in September, play good baseball in September like they did last September. I think they went 20-9 last September. And if they're playing well down the stretch, I- I'm confident this team can still go far in the playoffs. But right now, they're not playing well. And if they continue to play like this, they're not even going to play in the wild card game. That's not an over-exaggeration over, over exaggeration or, no. or an overreaction. They are not playing well enough. They're playing under five hundred baseball for over a month at this point. And Oakland and Seattle are playing well. They could pass you
0: do oh, there's think no it's doubt out
1: of out of possibilities. So this team needs to turn it around. And needs to start Monday against the White Sox, a shitty team.
2: Especially you know when when the Yankees are going out there, and these teams know that the Yankees are coming out to the West Coast to play them. Like they're circling that this is going to be their World Series. They they're gonna they're gonna come and they're gonna be. When does Cano get back? By the way, it's some he, I, I know he's know. working out at third and first base, and, and right. I could just I could see that. Well, you know he
1: can't play in the in he the can't playoffs. play in the playoffs.
2: I know, but but uh, you know I don't know. He probably isn't back for the Seattle series. I'm not sure if he is or not. But the, um, you know, that's going to be a, it's going to be huge. And these teams are going to be ready to go and uh, and know that they have uh, the Yankees in their sights because you know what was once I think like a nine and a half game lead on the first wild card team is now diminished. And and I think they're what two two games two and up two and, and a half two and a half, half up.
1: up on Oakland.
2: And then Seattle is like two games behind them or three yeah. games behind them. It's it's yeah. it's all within reach for yeah. sure, no yeah. doubt about it. Especially when you have. Uh, uh games against them so they're yeah,
1: closer you, you, you got to get
2: rid of the the pennant is is or the, the al east don't even think about it the Yankees it right now.
1: are closer to being out of a wild card spot than they are to be leading the division they are I think uh five games five and a half games separates them and Seattle and they're nine and a half um out of the division
2: so before we get to some mailbags, I know we're going to talk about the mailbags. I want to tell you guys about a new system that we are—I have been using in my house—and actually has been working really well. Um, it, it's if if your Wi-Fi is struggling, this is uh, the system to get. It's called Eero. Never think about Wi-Fi again. They have basically come out with a a very good system that allows you to have. Ah, uh, super fast Wi-Fi in all of your rooms. They have different systems where you can get two or three uh, different Wi-Fi boxes and uh, work off of the router. It's a second-generation product. The addition of their third um, five gigahertz radio is the second-generation Euro and now makes uh, now it's a tri-band and twice as fast as the predecessor, which lets customers do more simultaneously in every room. Of their house, and I have a house that has a bunch of different rooms in it that are all kind of like uh, boxed off with walls. It's like an old-fashioned '90s house, in the sense that the rooms have walls. It's not as open of a concept, and sometimes the Wi-Fi does not go through this. Well, when you have the Euro system, it actually does help because you get that five gigahertz system in every room. And if you're like me, you stream a lot of stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm streaming games. I'm streaming. Uh, movies, I'm streaming, all sorts of stuff. So whatever your Wi-Fi needs, Eero has the power to seamlessly blanket your home in fast, reliable Wi-Fi. And with the addition of the new thread radio, Eero can connect low-power devices such as locks or doorbells or other sensors. Uh, we have our, um, our thermostat system set up to, to all of that as well. It can handle that really well. Increases the speed and range with a powerful tri-band radio. Uh, the Eero system sits flat on a surface and plugs in with a power adapter connects over the Ethernet or wirelessly in any combination. And again, the additional thread radio is for the low-power devices so that you can have all of your different devices on different platforms. The single-router model just doesn't work for increasingly high-bandwidth world. It's simple physics. light, Like light waves, Wi-Fi waves don't go through walls. Imagine asking a light bulb in your living room to light up your master bedroom. doesn't work that way. What you need is a distributed system. This is what offices have had for years – um, at a considerable, uh, considerable work and expense. It's expensive to have this. Well, the Euro system can now bring it to your home. In just a few minutes, you simply download the app on your iOS or Android device, and it'll walk you through each step of the process. It's simple, it's quick, it's painless. Um, obviously, if you know, you set up a Wi-Fi in your own home, if you have more than one room, if you have multiple rooms, it's a pain in the butt, um, and now you can do it easily for Euro. Again, I told you it works really well in my house. I get the games, uh, super fast when I'm streaming them. I get movies. My wife can watch what she's wanted watching while I'm watching the game. So it's, uh, it's all good and on different systems. And now for uh, listening to the show, you get free overnight shipping to anywhere in the U S or Canada, visit euro.com and the checkout, select overnight shipping, then enter your promo code Bronx and make it free. That's overnight shipping for free on Iro.com. Use the promo code Bronx.
1: Okay. Let's get into mailbag questions. The first one is from at pollen 14 on Twitter. And he says, do you think it's time to evaluate Boone's performance 18 and 20 in the last 38 severe underperformance versus subpar teams and constant sloppy play? What is he bringing to the table that helps them win? <laughs> Oh, boy. And I I find it really, really hilarious that um, people are, are now thinking back to what Girardi provided this team uh, and right. saying that they wish they had they had Girardi back and Boone gone when everyone, you know, wanted Girardi gone at the time. A lot of people wanted Girardi gone at the time. Hashtag fire Girardi anytime he did something wrong. I understand that is the life of a manager. He is going to get criticized when the team underperforms, and whoever it is, whether it's Joe Torre, hashtag Fire Current Manager, right? Hashtag Fire Current Manager Boone. It's all the same. Just just insert name, fire that guy. Right. But Boone has had a really really rough stretch here, where he looks overmatched. He looks like a rookie manager.
2: You know, uh, to me, that it was so glaring in this series, and that's that's what I was talking about with with Alex Cora and how he he absolutely has the attention of his guys and and you're seeing Mookie Betts play out of his mind this year and it seems like his talent is really all coming to the surface and you're seeing how good of a player he can be because he he looks like you know one of the the top three the players in the game right now I mean the guy's playing out of his mind and when you're listening to what the you know some of the things I was taking away from the ESPN broadcast is uh, is what they were talking about from the the Boston dugout because they can't cover the Yankees we know way more than they do I think for the Yankees side of it but the the Boston side when they're talking about and and, and talking to Alex Cora and how Cora goes up and just basically tells Tells Mookie Betts, that you know you're the best player, supports him like constantly, and just trying to you know feed that confidence and tell these guys to play with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder because they're that good. Um, you know, you hope that the Boone's doing something similar in that way. But he just—he seems like he's got their ear, he's got their attention. You're seeing them be aggressive, take extra bases, uh, run consistently. You know, exploit different. You know, when the when a Yankees reliever is in and they see any any kind of anything in their in their delivery, if there's a, a little bit of a hitch, if there's a, a delay, like they're taking the base. And, and and now with Gary Sanchez not behind the plate with that arm. Uh, you know, we're seeing the deficiencies. I think of of Romine and you know if Higgy are back there, like these guys don't have good arms. Uh, Sanchez had the arm. You know, all the other stuff uh, aside, he has a cannon and keeps runners at bay. That's one of his uh, absolute strengths. And and we're seeing Cora beautifully in this in this last uh, series. Take advantage of that. I mean, he's just. Seemed like he was a step ahead of the Yankees every single every single step uh, every single game. So couple, it was frustrating.
1: Couple things there. First of all, just quickly on the the catcher situation. I think Romine's looked horrible, not only throwing runners out, but he there's been some pass balls too recently. Yeah, so no, no doubt. There has everyone's crushing Gary Sanchez anytime he lets a pass ball, and rightfully so, we crush Gary Sanchez. But Romine, we're seeing. That he's a backup catcher, and he's a good backup catcher. So for everyone saying that the Yankees aren't even going to miss Gary Sanchez, I wonder if they're still saying that now. Because he provides, even when he's struggling, a lot that Romine cannot provide. And when Gary Sanchez is not struggling, well, then then he's one of the the most valuable players on the Yankees. That's a kind of a side note. Um, Getting back to Boone. After the series last night, he said, we can't let this series define what has otherwise been a great season. Do you think he still has the right to say this has been a great season after how they've played for a month? Well, I
2: mean, I think... I think when he's when he's talking about they can't let them define this series obviously, but but yeah they've struggled out of the gate and I think in the first half you saw the capability of this team so yeah I, I'm looking at that and I'm saying yes it's a it's a very good season because if you're in any other division you're you're right there for first place like the fact that the Red Sox are the best team in baseball right now and, and are playing out of their minds makes it so much worse. Uh, that being said, they need to turn it around they need to get back to that that style of baseball and I know they need to get healthy but again they're putting out a team that's capable of winning these games especially when you look at the, the um, schedule and you see the teams that are coming up into the into the next month like these are all very very winnable series very winnable games they need to fire off uh, you know wins in a row that has to happen for them to have any chance in this thing um, but yeah I mean I, look he's gonna he's gonna have a narrative and he's right they, sh- he's they can't let him them- it they can't let it define them. They cannot, because if they do, they will not make the playoffs. They will sink down into a hole and into oblivion. And then this will be one of the most disappointing Yankee seasons that you know I can remember. And if they don't keep that their head up, they have to. They have to keep their head above water. They have to pump up with the team. They have to pump up their abilities uh, internally, because if they're not going to do that, if they're not going to stay positive to uh, to that extent, then they're not going to play well. But yeah, you know what? The The level of of emergency like the the level of um uh, of fire has to in- increase because right now all of these games are, are important and they got to win a bunch of games they got to win a lot of games in the in the next month and a half two months the
1: uh yeah no i get that he he has to be um a he said also there's another quote uh, or there was an article that said Boone says his own consistency is key for the Yankees. So I think him remaining even keeled is what he's trying to do. But do you think that behind uh, this is getting back to to the behind closed doors conversation again? If he just keeps doing the same thing every day and it's not working, don't you think he needs to change whether it's just to the players faces or one on one or whatever it is? If he wants to have the same narrative to the media, that's one thing. But I I would hope he is doing something differently in that clubhouse because it's not working.
2: I mean, I got to believe he is Uh, what he's doing right now is taking the, he's deflecting. He's taking everything right now. He's just trying to, uh, take it off the players, and that's what he should do. That's exactly what he should do. You saw that with uh, with a lot of you know. tory used to do that all the time. He you know you you're looking at him. You're not looking at the key players. You're trying to take as much of that off of them as possible. Look at me. I'm a first time manager. I got to be consistent. It starts with me. Be consistent. And he's right. You do have to do that. He should be deflecting. Uh, that's his job. That's part of his job. I have no idea what's going on behind the behind the uh, the doors of the clubhouse. I got to believe that there is a a insane amount of frustration, insane amount of, of just like anger in the way that the team is playing. And, and the fact that these guys are not playing as a unit and yeah, something's got to change. You can't be going with the same thing. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that he's doing the same thing. So I, I just don't know. I got to believe that he's a smart enough guy. He's been in the clubhouse for, for, uh, you know, as a player, he knows th- this, this, uh, he knows how this works. He's, he's been on teams that have struggled and teams that have played well. And if you're doing the same thing over and over again, it's not going to work. So I got to believe that he knows that and, the, and that things are changing in the background as this situation is getting worse.
1: Brandon Gramenios um, says, What do you think it's going to take to have Boone actually show some fire? And I want to um, parallel this to Alex Cora, and that you kind of talked, touched on this. Um, Cora has them playing like a cohesive unit. He um, pumps up Mookie bets, there's some fire there. Um, And I think that what we saw with Severino, which we we did not talk about Severino knocking down bets on Friday night on the first pitch of the game. And then after that, um, Cora pretty much calling out uh, Severino for doing that. And the Red Sox responded in that game. They scored three runs off of Severino in that first inning. So whether Severino was doing it intentionally or not, Boston took it as it was intentional and used that to fuel them. And if Severino was doing it on, on purpose, as a purpose pitch. Fine. I like that that he's a Pedro fan, he's a Pedro disciple. Pedro would have done the same thing. Pedro also would have struck out the next three batters. Severino if he's <laughs> going to do that, can't give up 3 runs in the first inning. You need to back it up.
2: Yeah, and I don't know, you know, with Severino being uh newer to that to that spot like if he's he's got that 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 killer instinct in the sense that if you knock a guy down, you better go out there and, and attack him, and not let what what just played out on the field with Cora going out there and uh, and taking exception to it. Like that can't play into your mind at all. And I think sometimes it does. I think there's a mind game there where you're trying to get a guy like you know think that he's doing. Because I don't think he was trying to hit him, but I do think he was throwing inside. I think it was a good pitch. I, I think it's it's what he should do. Yep. I think Luis Severino, when you throw that hard and and you have um, you know good command like he does. You should throw inside and up and in. There's nothing wrong with doing that. He's not trying to hit him in the head. He's throwing inside, and the way that Mookie, the way that you know, he kind of leans over the plate a little bit, it, it looked like it was it was more insider, you know, than than I think it was uh, than it was intended because of the way that he leans over the plate too. So I think it was a good pitch. I think it was it was uh, there was nothing wrong with the way that, that that he does that. And I think that that's part of you know that's missing from the today's game is these guys you know aggressively throwing inside to to say get off the plate like I'm gonna throw inside because all, there are so many now major league players that lean over the plate and they have that big guard on their elbow because they don't matter it don't matter if they hit uh, they get hit in the elbow anymore like there's no fear uh, anymore it's just it's it's a it's a blanket statement i think across the game so you have a guy like Severino who can throw that hard and does have good accuracy like he should be throwing inside more often so um the problem was is that he didn't back it up and Cora fired his guys up. And Cora knows that. He knows that he can fire these guys up because he's in tune with them. He's in tune with what, what fires them up and the little things they do. And I'm not sure Boone has that yet.
1: It's also really tough to like – you, you use a moment to fire yourself up. But then when the team is struggling so badly as the Yankees that it's only a fire-up moment if they then go out and perform on the field. Right? It's kind of a hand-in-hand thing. If if the Red Sox went and lost that game on Friday and Severino dominated, then we we talk about it the opposite way, that it didn't fire up the Red Sox. So it's kind of like a, a chicken or the egg discussion here, but the Yankees just can't seem to get anything going. There's no moments that's been firing them up. We thought maybe, okay, Yankees almost come back on Saturday, um, don't quite get to Kimbrell. Maybe that's going to fire them up. Maybe, maybe that'll... Give them some momentum into Sunday night. Well, they had a lead, and then they let it slip away. So nothing has been able to work. Nothing's working.
2: The bottom line is that these guys are are not playing well. They're not playing together. And what you're looking at across the diamond as uh, when you're looking at it with the way the Red Sox are playing, their lineup is turning over beautifully. They have the the, the pieces that they're plugging in at the trade deadline and when there's injuries occurring are working. Uh, they're they're it seems like when you plug in Pierce, you plug in Kinsler, like boom, it's like nothing nothing was missed because you have two guys that have been in different clubhouses before that know how to do this. Um you know, And, and just can, uh, can, can play well immediately. It doesn't matter where they're playing, no matter what uniform they're playing in. They know how to play baseball. It's the same to them. And they're going to go out and give you uh, veteran at-bats and veteran play in the field. So, you know, Dombrowski looks very good right now. And, and Cora, absolutely. I mean, they're very different personalities. Cora's definitely a more fiery guy that, that is more aggressive in his tone than the way uh, Boone is. And I still think Boone's trying to find himself in the way he's, he's doing things. Um, you saw him start you know, yelling at the umpire last night a little bit. It was definitely vocal. You could hear it on the, the uh, cameras or the uh, speakers. Uh, the microphones from ESPN. But, you know, he just doesn't have the ear of the club right now. And they're not playing with fire. And they're not playing with any kind of uh, intensity. And it's driving me nuts.
1: Okay, last question is uh, on a different topic, so I think it's um, appropriate if you read it.
2: I have a headache. <laughs> All right, this one is from uh, Troy Edge. I just butchered your name. I'm sorry, Troy. I know you're in our Facebook group, so yell at me there. Realistically, what is Sonny, What is Sonny going to offer you in the pen? One inning, does his velocity go up? <laughs> so... <laughs> We, was well, we actually didn't pitching. talk about
1: it. We didn't talk well, about Sonny so, Gray being removed from the rotation. <clears throat> Lancelin is going to take his place.
2: Yeah. Let me tell you what crept into my mind last night. As as the meltdown is occurring with with Chapman walking the bases loaded and then tying the game up, and then they're going into the 10th inning, and all of a sudden I, a holder's on the mound, and I see Sonny Gray smiling in the bullpen, w- throwing warm-up pitches, literally smiling still. I'm like, oh, I'm going to punch you in the face, you little shit.
1: B-whips. Like,
2: and and he's out there, you know, just like, oh, this is funny. I'm in the bullpen. Ha ha, ha. I'm in the bullpen Whee! now. This is weird. Yeah, this is I don't know. It's hilarious. And he's out there doing it. I'm like, this is great. This is this is what we need. Bring Sonny Gray in. Let the Red Sox walk it off and let us hit rock bottom. We need to hit rock bottom with Sonny Gray on the mound coming out of the bullpen with a big shitty eating grin on his face at Fenway Park. Like that's the bo- that's the bottom. You can't get lower than that. That needs to be the the bottom. I'm like, bring him in. Let's, so, let's just let's let's get this shit over with. Bring him in. Let's let's just get it over. Because you know what? As soon as they tied the game, any Yankees fan that's actually thinking oh, they're yeah, going to win that game over. is you're crazy. I'm just happy they lost done. it in
1: the 10th inning and not the 15th inning.
2: Right. Because if I had to stay away till three in the morning, I would have been so angry. I mean, I yep. was mad for staying up till one a.m. But yep. the fact that the Sonny Gray was out there, I'm like, oh, this is this is absolutely perfect. He's going to come in. He's going to. It's going to be like a first pitch home run. And he's going <laughs> to grin off the field. <laughs> and they're going to give him a round of applause. You know, it's like, uh, it's, that, that would have been bottom. Uh, so I don't know if we've hit bottom yet. Oh, uh,
1: this has to be bottom. I mean, maybe the Yankees uh, can, can one-up themselves, one whatever the opposite of that is, one down themselves.
2: We thought it was bottom when Sonny Gray was out there and gave up that, whole, that disastrous inning to the Red Sox. Uh, at home like that felt like bottom <laughs>
1: bottom for that was bottom for Sonny Gray. That was a we're that was talking a lo- about
2: that was a local bottom.
1: We're talking about we're talking about bottom for the Yankees this season. It has to be last night.
2: I hope so. I really do. I really hope so because if they don't have uh, the intensity coming out now because they're on they're on uh, national television again tonight playing the, the lowly White Sox who are just a young team trying to find themselves and not very good. That have a lot of old Yankees or young Yankees that are maybe not even on the on the roster. Some of them are. I don't know what to expect. I really don't.
1: Um, I,
2: I, they need to play with some intensity.
1: Quickly, just to, to entertain Troy's question about what is Sonny Gray going to offer you in the pen? Yeah, uh, insurance, long relief, mop up duty. This <laughs> is really about the Yankees not knowing what to do with Sonny Gray. They just know we can't keep sending them out there in the rotation, so right. we're going to stick them in the bullpen. And just ignore the problem for now.
2: Yeah, I mean, when you're out of the bullpen, you can get you can certainly get away um, a lot a lot better with uh, two pitches, and that seems like that's the only thing he can command right now uh, for a short amount of time. Um, so, you know, on his last start, the one that was a disaster, he was really good in the first inning. So maybe he could do that in the bullpen. I don't know. Oh, when you look at the way that he pitches, when you look at the way that he uh, like his uh, his repertoire, the pitches that are coming out, and he, I think David Robertson is a relatively decent comp in the way that he throws. You know, mid nineties. Um, throws a lot of, you know, off-speed pitches. So, uh, you know, maybe he can learn some things from, from David Robertson. He could be uh, somewhat of a mentor out there. I don't know. You know, we talked about this before we started recording the show. Is, is Sonny Gray now a failed starter that's in the bullpen? (laughs) Like we're comparing him to Hughes and like Jabba Chamberlain. Well,
1: Hughes. So here's the thing. Hughes was a failed, was a starter, did not do well in 2009. Yankees stuck him in the bullpen and he was dominant in 2009. And he came back and, and was a, uh, Average starting pitcher. Average Luis starting. Severino came up 2015, looked great, comes back in his sophomore year, cannot hack it out of the starting rotation, goes to the bullpen, and is lights out filthy, a .39 ERA in 23 innings out of the bullpen, comes back in 17 and 18, and was a great starting pitcher. So maybe there's something that Sonny Gray can discover in the bullpen. Hope hopeful. Maybe I'm being hopeful. Maybe I'm being naive. I don't know. All I know is I'm happy I don't have to watch Sonny Gray start every fifth day.
2: Yeah, except that when when you see him trotting in from center field, it's going to be instant anxiety. Like what the, you know, like <laughs> well, now I, I mean see I would him. hope now that he's pitch in a, a leverage situation. He's going to be ho- in a hyper leverage situation, you know it, because Jonathan Holder is now you know working himself. Down in the in the uh, in the pecking order. Well, then and we just said did,
1: bring up Canley to replace Holder, and, and... We,
2: uh, we said that, but they're not doing it. Hasn't been done. They literally sit him down in the middle of a freaking Red Sox series when they need more arms. Like you, you send down your veteran guy at that point. Like I know they're shuffling on the lineup right now, uh, but it's just it's crazy to me. This whole thing is insane. The fact right. that Sonny Gray was warming up uh, in extra innings at Fenway Park after they blow a game. Uh, get out of Get out of my face. <laughs> The last right. thing I wanted to see was smiling-ass Sonny Gray in the bullpen, laughing it up, chumming it up with his boys out there, making jokes. Maybe he was, um,
1: he was crafting a new Twitter account because, you know, he's not tweeting from his regular one anymore. He's got a burner account out there. He's an asshole. Get out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to end it there. So Scott... Scott uh, started the season calling Sonny Gray uh the 20 game Cy Young winner and I didn't say are. Cy Young people keep August, saying I said Cy Young I said Mike no you said, said he's 20 wins, you, you, said, 20 wins. You, you said Cy Young and MVP uh here we are on August 6th and uh Sonny Gray <laughs> asshole all right that's going to do it for us um thank you to everybody who submitted mailbag questions and um sorry for everyone who had to watch those four games but Uh, hope you enjoyed the therapy session just a reminder the august 18th event tickets are on sale go on the website go on the fan shop get those now at 67 bucks Pre-game party 98 celebration breakfast beers for 20 years we will uh hopefully have some better things to talk about then
2: let's get drunk
1: do you feel better after this
2: no i don't i I wish i did i actually kind of feel worse
1: oh excellent i feel um the same all right we'll talk to you guys on thursday
0: Believe it or not,
2: George, isn't at home Please leave a message at the beep
0: I must be out before I pick up the phone
2: Where could
0: I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home It's official, Sonny Gray has shit the bed again One good inning One good inning is what we get out of this guy Against the freaking Orioles we have a couple defensive errors or blunders, and what happens? He just can't get the damn Orioles out. I don't understand this guy. It's awful. Who would have thought that the Yankees would give up three runs in the second inning? John? Of course the Orioles take us three-nothing lead. It's fucking Sonny Gray starting. I guess I should have waited until the end of the inning to make my phone call, because it wasn't just three runs, it was five. And if it wasn't for fucking Shane Robinson doubling up and ending the inning, who the fuck knows how many more runs Sonny Gray would have given up. Hey, it's Danny in England, breaking radio silence. Just to say, fuck you, Sonny Gray, you fucking dick. You ruined my Wednesday night. Fucking useless. Like, Sonny fucking Gray. I can't believe it. I wonder if Aaron Boone goes up to the bullpen guys before his starts and goes, Hey guys, sorry, shit shithead's on the bump today. You're really going to have to pull us through on this one. This is fucking ridiculous. Man, somebody left the pickle juice out in the sun for too long. It fucking stinks. Sonny Gray can't fucking pitch to save his life. Take him out of New York, take him out of Earth, take him out of mankind, because he cannot pitch. I could pitch better than him. We should... Start... Hashtag, start with and hashtag, kill Sonny Gray. Jesus fucking Christ, Sonny Gray, you are trash. They should get Billy Bean a, a, a second movie for uh, this trade. Jesus Christ. Hey, Sonny Gray. Fuck you. Hey, it's uh, Mike from Boston. You know, as a diehard Yankees fan, and after watching that shit that I just watched, what the fuck is Sonny Gray smiling for? What the fuck is he smiling for? How can you smile after getting absolutely destroyed by one of the worst offenses, worst overall teams in the entire league, let alone worst offenses, after they got Richard Machado, Scope, and everybody else? How the fuck can you walk off the field smiling? He must be smiling because he knows his fucking job is... Being given away to Lance Lynn or whoever the fuck else. It doesn't even matter. If he pitches another goddamn game, I'm gonna fucking flip out. Go Yanks. Okay. Okay. So we can talk all we want about Gary Sanchez. Not that I'm happy with Gary Sanchez. But what would you rather have right now? Some guy who you know can perform. Who's logging And injured now. Or fucking Sonny Gray Who can't do his shit Can't do anything The one fabric that we can hold on to Throughout this whole ordeal this season Was He was good against bad teams And tonight Fucked that up So really when you think about our problems As a Yankee fan Is it Sonny Gray Or is it Gary Sanchez I think the answer is clear God I want to Punched Sonny's freaking gray in the goddamn lips right now. I mean, fuck, I was getting so happy he was starting to pitch good again. He's like, oh hey, maybe maybe Sonny's back. Now he fucking throws that kind of game out against a Baltimore Orioles that don't have Machado or Scope or Gossman or any of their core players anymore, and Chris Davis is playing like shit right now, to go out and play a game like that and then get put and then taken out of the game. And he's walking towards the dugout fucking smiling? Like, wipe the fucking smile off your lips, dude, and fucking realize that you're shit right now. Hey, Penn strippers. this is Eric from Syracuse, and holy shit, where do we begin? I know the whole analytics about CC going through the order for the third time and his pitch count and all that, but I'd rather take a veteran warrior like him than some dude like Holder who was a deer in the freaking headlights out there. Also, a nice return of the home run or nothing offense and getting slummoxed by some mediocre lefty. And uh, forget hand, foot, and mouth disease. With the, the defensive blunders, the team has caught Gary Sanchez disease out there. And uh, let's see if Severino can live up to his eighth building give us eight fucking so shutout innings tomorrow, and nut up because this season's over if they lose tomorrow. See ya. Horrible. Just horrible. Inexcusable. Jonathan Holder, seven earned runs, and zero innings pitched. That was Pathetic. Serving up batting practices, Red Sox. Letting them steal the entire country off you. The whole team—they literally—they stole the planet off the Yankees. Stole home. Stole the. Stole second base hundred fifty times. Can't get anybody out. Louis Cessa pitched a game we were supposed to pitch on Saturday. He was dead. Hi, listen, it's my bachelor party. Um, We've been in Boston since Friday night. It's not going good. Uh, Honestly, I don't know what they need to do, but they need to get some fight in them. They need to have somebody to crack the whip. Somebody get down on it, you know, play, play ball, not playing around. All right, it's very late had your number of phones. saved? I don't want to call after everybody,
2: but Thanks. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter, at Bronx Pinstripes, and the same on Facebook, You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.
0: I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast.